My big idea for us this morning is really this encouragement. Live as God's family because through Jesus, that is exactly what you are. Live as God's family because through Jesus, that is exactly what you are. As we look at Mark 3, we're going to talk about Jesus' redefinition uh, around family. We're going to talk about Jesus' invitation uh, around family. And then we're going to talk about Jesus' apostles and their description of what it means to be family. Redefinition, invitation, and description. Live as God's family because through Jesus, that is exactly what we are and what we're invited into. Let's look first at Mark Mark chapter 3, we're going to look at uh, starting at verse 13. Uh, To set the stage uh, in the gospel of Mark, Jesus is a man on the move, bringing the kingdom of God, teaching with authority, healing with power. And here in our text today, we're going to see that Jesus calls his apostles to him uh, in a way that's unexpected, in a way that redefines uh, what we think about when we think about family in relation to the community of disciples known as the church. Mark 3, 13. And Jesus went up on a mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boagernes, which is sons of thunder, Andrew, and Philip, Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat, And when Jesus' family heard it, they went out to seize Jesus, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Verse 31, and Jesus' mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, Jesus, your your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And Jesus answered them, who are my mother and brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Live as God's family because through Jesus, that is exactly what you are. Jesus is redefining what it means to be his family, what it means for the church to be family. To set the context, Jesus, obviously in this text we see it, Jesus has just appointed his 12 apostles. Jesus, his fame is buzzing throughout the synagogue. His fame is buzzing in the streets. He's preaching, teaching, healing with authority, bringing the kingdom of God. All people are looking at him and saying, this might truly be the savior of the world long promised to us in the scriptures. This could really be it. And his reputation is buzzing. Momentum is building. And then to all of this, Jesus' family says, you need to settle down. Jesus' family sees all this, right? They, they see that Jesus is not just teaching, but Jesus in this text at the beginning, what does he do? He calls apostles to himself. He's starting a movement. And when his family sees that, hey, he's not just teaching, he's starting a movement. We need to rein him in. 
And so Jesus' family comes in verse 21, when his family hears that the movement is growing, he's calling disciples and apostles to himself. Jesus' family, they hear it, and they went to seize him, to grab him, to take him by force, like a mom grabs a disobedient toddler and target. Grab him by the neck, and we're getting out of here. You're embarrassing us. They're going to seize Jesus because they're saying what? He is, verse 21, for he is out of his mind. And when this happens, folks say, hey, Jesus, we know you're teaching right now, uh, but, but your mama's here. And they're saying you need to go. And Jesus looks at the crowd of people that he's teaching and he says, who's my mama? Who's my daddy? Who's my bro? Let me tell you who my family is. All of these people or whoever is doing the will of God, that is my mother, that is my brother, that is my father, that is my sister. That is my family. This is a radical redefinition. Jesus' own newly called apostles and disciples have got to be thinking to themselves, man, we knew where he was, we were his disciples, but I guess now we're his family. This is strange and bizarre. Some people look at this and say, well, isn't Jesus being a little bit harsh to his mother, to his brothers, and to his family? But if we pay attention to the passage, we realize what Jesus is doing is an act, as always, of his grace. Notice two things in the passage. Posture and body language. How much can you read from someone's body language and posture? A lot. What do you know about somebody when they're like this? as some of you are right now. Like, that's not pa- Pastor Jared grew dreads. Like, what, what's, this is not Pastor Jared. It's not why I'm here. Right? What, what does this posture tell us? And then what does this posture tell us? We learn a lot from posture. Very much true in first century Judaism for discipleship. Notice what the text says. Jesus' disciples, the text tells us, are sitting where? At his feet. This is the posture of someone coming to their Lord, coming to their teacher and saying, instruct me. Anyone who puts their trust in Jesus as their savior, uh, literally and metaphorically, is sitting at Jesus' feet saying, teach me, Lord, and I will follow you. But notice the posture of Jesus' parents or his family in this text. What does it say? That they are standing outside. This is the posture of this. Jesus' family is rejecting him while his disciples are receiving him. And based on that, Jesus says, I see that my family is disowning me. I see that my family is rejecting me, even though I'm fulfilling the will of God. And let me tell you, those who are submitting to me in faith, receiving me for who I truly am, the Savior of the world, those are my true spiritual family. Jesus is redefining what it means to be the family of God. Jesus is showing us this, that to be a disciple of Jesus is to belong to a family. Jesus is showing this, that to have Jesus as Savior means also to gain the church as family. Now, this is a radical redefinition for the first century. Western culture is very individualistic. If, if you didn't grow up in the West, uh, you, know, you, you have a, a deeper sense of, of what it would mean in biblical times uh, as to the importance of family. But for New Testament times, it was always group over individual. The way that you thought the way that the grid for your decisions was based on and not how would this work for me, but how would this reflect on my family? If you desired to, to get married, you married and stayed close to your family. In fact, it was your family who did what? Decided who you were going to get married because the marriage wasn't about you. It's about the family. 
man, is this going to get us more goats and sheeps? Then let's do it. doesn't matter what they look like. We need more sheep, right? So everything is around the idea of the group. And so for Jesus to say in a group culture, in a family-centric culture to say, my family is rejecting me, I, ha- I have a new family here, is a radical redefinition. It's almost like Jesus has got an ax and he's swinging it at the root of the cultural conception of family in the first century. And he's not just doing that to tear something down, but he's doing it to plant something even more beautiful. For the first century, Jesus is saying that there is family beyond the biological. And for the 21st century, 2019, he is telling us this, that the church is not simply an event, it is a family. It's a community to belong to, not a thing to go to. Though we go to things in our family, we want to see them, but it's a people that we belong to. This is a radical redefinition, and notice this. Jesus, we'll see it later in the Gospels, he doesn't abandon his family. When he's dying on the cross, Jesus says to John, one of his closest disciples, he says, my mother is now your mother, and mother, this is now your son. He loves his family, but he will not idolatrize his family. Jesus is redefining family, and look at the way that he's redefining it around. What does he say? What is the critical redefinition, the unifying factor in this new community called the family of God for his disciples? Verse 35, whoever does the will of God. This cuts at the root of tribalism in every form. Think about this. Gangs are like families. Any gang members in here? Let your allegiance be known, right? I'm just going to show a gang sign. Don't tell Pastor Jarrett to do that. Right? Gangs, gangs are family. And what, do, what is the unifying factor? And us first them. We bond over this neighborhood, over this block, over this history, over this, over this uh, culture, over this color, over this territory. Think of the way we bond with our families. Well, we, we came in through the same mother and father, so, so we're bonded. Or, or we were adopted. Or think about the way groups work in our culture. Well, we bond over this ideology, and that makes you an insider or an outsider. But look at this. Jesus says the family of God bonds not over any biological factor, any ethnic factor, any background factor, any uh, physical, visual appearance factor, any socioeconomic factor. The family of God that is the church bonds over the will of God. And who is at the center of the will of God? Jesus Christ himself. John 6 tells us that the work of God, the work that God wants us to do, the the thing that God wills for us to do is to believe in the one in whom he's sent. So the unifying factor of the family of God redefined by Jesus is Jesus himself. And Jesus, by his grace and his love, transcends every barrier that men and women have erected to tribalize people. And so the family of God is a unique family to which you and I are invited. That means if, like the disciples, you're sitting at the feet of Jesus through his redefinition of what it means to be family, if you're sitting at his feet in faith, trusting him as Lord, Savior, teacher, and Redeemer, that means that you, my friend, have gained a new family. That you, my friend, get to think of yourself as having two family allegiances. That you, my friend, have a family allegiance a spiritual one that supersedes your biological one, but that makes you better at your biological one because you are beginning to reflect Jesus in every relationship you have. This is the redefinition of family to which Jesus Christ is calling you and I. This is the redefinition of family with Christ at the center. See yourself in the crowd of Mark 3, sandals, tunic, and all. We are in this story. 
Jesus not only redefines in a radical way, but he does a radical invitation. We see it there in verse, verse 35. Whoever does the will of God, they are my brother and sister and mother. This is both a declaration of what's true, but this is an invitation into a relationship with Jesus and attached to that a relationship to the people of God known as the church. This is an open invitation. Look at what Jesus says. Whoever does the will of God. It doesn't say some of y'all that are qualified by X, Y, and Z and then do the will of God are my family. He says, whoever, which is another way to say anybody, which is another way to say in Memphis, any of y'all that do this are in the family of God. Now, now think about this. Jesus is in, the will of God is to trust and follow his son whom he sent to redeem the world, all who trust in him for the forgiveness of sins and who restores us to God and to his kingdom. Jesus is inviting people in the same move to trust him as savior and to be brought into his family. You cannot untether these things. To know Jesus as savior is to belong to his family. They are tied together, a beautiful two-for-one gift. Jesus is inviting us to trust in him and to be a part of God's new family that transcends man-made tribalisms and divisions. But think about this. Jesus is standing among a crowd, and he extends this invitation. I mean, this, this is a little wild. That only Jesus would do this in his wild love and mercy, who would be in a large crowd and say, any of you that want to be my family, come sit at my feet in faith. You're my family. Can you, can you imagine doing this? Can you imagine going into Boston Common later today and be like, I need some family members. Any of you that want to be a part of my family, I will love you. I will pray for you. I will give my money to help you. I will bear your burdens. I will care for you. Your problems will become my problems. Your worries will become my worries. Your victories will become my victories. That's the part we would like. But can you imagine doing what Jesus is doing here? Open invitation, giving his life, his love, his mercy, his presence to anyone who would come sit at his feet. This is the mercy of Jesus. This is the way that Jesus operates. This is the only unique, life-changing, God-restoring relationship that is offered freely to anyone who would receive it. This is Jesus' invitation to you to walk in that for the first time or to keep walking into it. The invitation is the same, and it's an invitation into family. And if we see it this way, that it's not just a redefinition, but also an invitation, we begin to understand that to see and to live in the church as family here at Renewal is a gift and not a burden. This is a gift that Jesus is giving us. This is a gift of his mercy. Think about what it costs Jesus to restore imperfect, broken people to himself and to bring us into God's family. What did it cost him? Well, if we were to keep going through the book of Mark, we realize it costs him his very life. That the story ends with Jesus crucified, naked and ashamed on a Roman cross, bearing the weight and guilt of our sin and our shame to do what? to reunite us to God, his father, and to bring us into his family as sons and daughters. Though in our will and in our choices and in our nature, we have decided to run from God, God runs towards us and says, you are my children. This is what it costs Jesus. And so to live here and now as God's family is a gift and not a burden. Now it's a challenging gift it's one of those gifts, we'll keep the metaphor, one of those gifts that's hard to unwrap. 
This invitation is a challenging invitation, right? Let's, let's keep it real. This is, it's a challenge to live with people as family, is it not? It's difficult because you're dealing with what? People. People have problems. People are strange. People do weird things. People say weird things, right? People are a challenge. You included in that. I hope you understand this. You're like, yes, people are weird. This is the greatest sermon. People are very weird. No, we, we all have our quirks. We all have our sin. We all have our brokenness, right? It's difficult to, to do life together, even though this is what Jesus has called us to. It's really hard. We have to, we have to be honest about that. It's difficult, right? It's difficult, especially when it's family, because you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. The same in the biological family, same in the spiritual family. The factor is Jesus, remember? The, the whoever trusts in him, it's brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, not whoever you like. And so this is a challenge for us. And we see it right here in the text with two names in the list of disciples. Two names I would want to point out to you to show that this is a challenge, not just for us here in 2019, but from the very beginning, it's been hard to be the family of God. Two names, Simon the Zealot, Matthew the tax collector. Two total opposites come together as disciples, and then they find out after they've been appointed as apostles that Jesus says, you're not just apostles, y'all are brothers. And they're like, are you kidding me? Because here is the reality. Let me read you this quote from William Barclay that describes the mixed group that was the family of God, the diverse group that was the family of God. It's a beautiful challenge, but it is a challenge that is overcome by grace. Listen to this, describing Simon the Zealot, Matthew the tax collector, being a part of the church as family. William Barclay, a commentator, says this, Christianity began with a very mixed group. In it, two extremes met. Matthew was a tax collector and therefore an outcast to his people. He was a renegade, a traitor to his fellow countrymen. And then Simon the Zealot and the Zealots were a fiery band of violent nationalists who were pledged even to murder, assassination, to clear the country of foreign yoke. And no doubt between them, there were all kinds of backgrounds and opinions. Christianity began by insisting that the most diverse people should live together by enabling them to do so because they were all living with Jesus. It's hard for us to understand how polar opposite Simon and Matthew must have been. Now, certainly, Jesus was changing them and refining them. But man, these are people who come from two totally different worlds. And yet together, what are they doing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is what's unique about the church's family. That you can have people who outside of this gathering, outside of the community life of a church, would never cross paths, would never interact, would never sit for a meal, would never share a cup of coffee, would never go do whatever their hobby thing is together, but because they're united by the will of God, Jesus, who redeems them and restores them to the Father, they begin to know one another as family. This is the gift of the church. And let me ask you, do you think by any chance our city could use an example like that? Do you, do you think in any way it would resonate with our city, our culture, in our world in 2019 to see unique people from different backgrounds come together around Jesus Christ? Would that be an example to anybody? Would that resonate with anybody? Would that be counterculture anywhere? Absolutely it would. It happens not through sheer willpower. It happens through not downplaying our differences. It happens through not pretending we're all the same. It doesn't happen through being colorblind. It happens through centering and drawing close to each other through the will of God, whom is Jesus Christ. This is why the church is a challenge, but it is a gift. Jesus is inviting you into 
this gift through faith in him. So in Jesus, you are invited to gain a new set of brothers, a new set of sisters, a new set of mothers, a new set of fathers under the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What this also means, the other reason this is an invitation that's a gift, is if Jesus' words are true, which we believe that they are, uh, you're gaining a new family in addition to your biological one, which means that Jesus desires through the family of the church to redeem what may have been broken in your family of origin. This means that Jesus, let me say it again, Jesus, through the family that is the church, desires to redeem what was broken in your family of origin. The church can be a place of healing. We know it can be a place of hurt because it's got people in it, but it can also be a place of healing because it's got Jesus in it. Let me tell you how this works for me. The way the church has been uh, redemptive uh, for what was broken in my family of origin you know, for me, I grew up, uh, my mom came to America from West Africa, in West Africa, in the building. Yeah, let's go, let's go. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. Make sure we're not from the wrong tribes, though. <laughs> Jesus can't unite. No, I'm kidding. Um, so my mom came to uh, America from West Africa, uh, and I grew up just me and my mom. My father was not in the picture. And so when I got married and had, uh, had my first child, um, I was a little bit nervous because I had never seen a dad at work in the house. Uh, not like literally at work, hammering things. I was nervous about, very nervous about that. Um, <laughs> but also nervous about like, what does it mean to be a dad? To be a dad that loves Jesus. I mean, I certainly watched TV and seen Homer Simpson and was like, that's not my example. But what does it mean to be a dad that loves Jesus? And guess where it was that I saw that? I saw it in the church. I saw it in the church with, with other young dads. I, I saw it in the church with, with the people who served with the kids, whether they were parents or not, in the way that they interacted with the kids. Like I, I saw it all in the church. And then time came when my, my son was older and I have three kids where I, like, I, feel, I feel both overwhelmed because parenting is hard, but I feel really confident because in the church, I saw examples of what it looks like to, to be something that I never saw in my own family. And I, and I felt love because there were people, even though they were my same age, that cared for me spiritually as if they were my dad, asking the questions that a good dad would ask, being there and mentoring me and teaching me and showing me things. It was in the church that so much redemption happened that was broken in my family of origin. Is this your story? It can be. Jesus can do healing in the church because the church through him is family. So how do you step into this? You take Jesus at his invitation. Jesus is handing you an RSVP to belong to him through faith, and to belong to the community that is the family. In this room, I imagine so many of you are doing this. Keep going. Keep going and living as family because through Jesus, that is exactly what you are. Uh, maybe for some of you, take the first step towards this. Don't spill every secret about yourself and give people your social security or something weird like that, but take the first step. Right? Maybe, maybe the first step is the new series is, is starting next week, right? 40 Days with Jesus. Maybe the, the first step for you is to get into one of those groups, get into a community group where you're going to be with people, be known, and, and know them. That's your first step. Take that. Take Jesus' invitation at his word. He wants to draw you into his family through the grace that he gives us in community. Take Jesus at his word. Now, one of the biggest challenges for receiving this invitation is uh, what I call uh, community envy, which is uh, a sort of parallel to social media envy. I don't know if any of you have had this problem where you scroll through Instagram or whatever your social media thing is of choice, and you see something, and you're kind of happy for that person, but mostly you're jealous. <laughs> you're like, well, I wish I was in Croatia, or I wish my boss gave me a plaque. 
you know, or I wish I was eating that meal or whatever it is, right? Where we become very envious and it, doesn't, it just begins to happen, right? We look at what somebody else has and we see, see it through a filter literally and metaphorically and we say, I wish I had that. We can do the same thing with churches. We do the same thing with communities. We can say, we can look at the family that Jesus has called us into in the local church and say, you know, I, I, we can only see what's wrong and we can look elsewhere and say, I can only see what's right and, and we get this community envy. Or I wish this church had more people that like the same strange hobbies that I like. Or I wish, this, I wish we had more people like X, Y, Z. Or I feel like I would fit in better if we did this different and all this other stuff. And sometimes there's a place for that. But a lot of times, you know what that cultivates? Discontentment. And if that's what you're rolling in, no matter what community you plug into, guess what you're going to be? Discontent. Over and over and over and over again. I've seen it happen. Church planner in Boston for five years. seen it happen all the time. And so what I would encourage you to do is to not idolize community, but to step into it the way it is and to love it and to love those around you, and to look around this room through the lens that Jesus gives us in verse 35 and to say, these are my brothers, these are my sisters, these are my mothers, these are my fathers, and we are quirky, but this is my family. And to watch the work that Jesus does through this. Live as God's family because through Jesus, that is exactly what you are. Keep going in this truth. Keep going. Redefinition, invitation. And then finally, Jesus' apostles will build from this truth that the church is family, and they will describe through the New Testament letters what it looks like for the church to be family. Redefinition, invitation, and through the apostles we get a description. It's so helpful that God in his word describes to us what it looks like for the church to be family because it gives us a visual. Every family, every house, every, uh, every community has its sort of culture and sort of house rules. How many of you had rules in your house growing up? Like take your shoes off, don't take your shoes off, right? Different things like that. Touch the remote, never touch the remote, all, all sorts of things, right? <laughs> a lot of conflict in families around the remote, you know, where, where it is or where it's not, right? Every, every house had rules. And I remember as a kid uh, going uh, to my friend's house, really the first time, I think it was in first grade, uh, spending the night there and learning the house rules and the house culture of somebody, somebody else's family. And so when it was, uh, you know, time for my friend to do a chore and his mom said, will you go do this? And he's like, I'll do it later. I was like, whoa, like, (laughs) that's an option. (laughs) Like, you can say no to your parents. Again, remember where I said my mom's from, West Africa, right? So this is not going to, I would not exist now (laughs) if I would have said, I'll do it later, right? So this was a new immersion into a family culture and house rules, where it's like, I said no later. Then when it was time for breakfast, to open a pantry and to see every cereal box under the sun sorted by the rainbow colors. So you guys got Lucky Charms and Fruit Loops and Apple Jacks and Frosted Flakes, like no bag cereal at all. And that's how you know you've made it. You're not doing the bag cereal anymore. And I contrast that to the, to the family rules and the house culture in my family, whereas one cereal box, when it's done, we'll get the same one that also does not taste good. <laughs> and do not tell your mother no or later, right? That's just, that's just not part of the vocabulary. It's not an option. And so it was really interesting to be immersed in a different family with a different set of house rules, a different set of culture. And when we come into the church, 
Jesus' apostles build on this reality from Mark 3 to then describe what it looks like for the church to be family. The New Testament gives us house rules and a house culture for what it means to be family together. Let me, let me describe this and walk us through this uh, in, in, a, in a few just short moments here. Look at these New Testament house rules. What I want you to understand this about the church's family is that the church is the family of God means that we strive to care for one another's spiritual, emotional, and physical needs as much as we care for our own because that is exactly what Jesus has done for us. And look at how the house rules reflect this, the New Testament house rules. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Through our love as a family, the city will know that we belong to him. Love one another with brotherly, sisterly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Contribute to the need of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the love of Christ. Bear with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, which obviously will happen in a family, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. This is just a snapshot of the house rules in the family of God that is the church centered on the will of God, Jesus Christ himself. Right? This is what we do in the family of God that Jesus has established. We love one another the way Christ has loved us. We honor one another. I love this from Romans 12. I love that the family of God, the church of God, the community of disciples, imperfect but centered around a perfect Jesus, is a place of honor. That means when you see somebody helping and serving in the family of God, you honor them. You say thank you. You say props. You shout them out. You dap them up. Whatever it is, you honor them, right? So you, so you honor your musicians and your team that gives extra hours and gets here early. You're set up people right? Your people who are doing tech, the people who are teaching kids, the people who are hosting community groups. Uh, you honor Pastor Jared and Heather and for their investment, literally pouring out their lives to birth a community where this can happen. We, we build a culture of honor. Whereas our, our society has a culture of cynicism and backhanded sarcasm put downs, which I will say are very funny in small doses. <laughs> but the culture, right? The, what you do repeatedly builds a what? The culture. The culture for the family of God is honor. So honor one another. There is so much to be honored here. Do it. It glorifies God. It encourages one another, unites the family together. No one paid me to say any of that. We contribute to the needs. We see that. Uh, where in many churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work, we get to do the opposite. We serve. It's so encouraging to come in here early in the morning and see a lot of people serving. Praise God. I know a lot of people serve in hidden ways. Wonderful. Keep going. We show hospitality. It's part of our house rules. Listen, the family of God that is the church united on Jesus is not a family that is exclusive. It is inclusive. We tell people, you can be in, come into the family, sit at the feet of Jesus. He is the center. You are invited in. We will open our homes to you. We will answer any question you have. We will do everything that we can to help you understand who Jesus is, that you may receive him and enter God's family. We show hospitality. I love this. Galatians 6, we bear one another's burdens. This means that in the family of God as the church, we have to get close enough to know who's burdened and how to help carry the load. We have to know and be known. And think about this lastly. Imagine how precious it would be to be in a community, in a family that mirrors this type of culture. 
to have people who care for you as much as they care for themselves because they have seen the love of Jesus for you. This is what Christ invites us to. And all of this is really a reflection of himself. Jesus bears the burden of our sin upon the cross. Jesus shows us hospitality. When we're running from God, separated from God by our sin, Jesus welcomes us in at grace cost to himself. This is all a reflection of Jesus himself. And so as I invite the band up and as we get ready to close and to pray, I wanna call you through faith, by grace, to trust in Jesus and then to live together as God's family because through Jesus, that is exactly what you are. Our default nature is to live for self. Sin turns us inward. But Jesus' redeeming grace turns us outward in love towards one another. Live as God's family because through Jesus, that is exactly what we are. We are not simply his disciples. We are his family. Let's pray.